What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Let's play some football! Run right through the back of him! what's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Welcome back to Daytime Fireworks. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me as always, the Associated Press best in the desert, David Brandt. David, fresh off of NFL meetings. Uh, I know there was a lot going around the internet about the uh, picture of all the coaches and all of the uh, the wardrobe choices. Uh, what did you think of... Um, the uh, business casual look for most of the uh, NFL head coaches over the uh, <laughs> the weekend and the early week. I got to look this up now. I heard there was a picture. I did so NFL picture of coaches. Let's let's look this up. Yeah, they ah. they, they did like the full like classroom photo. Right. No, I remember because somebody was asking the one of the new coaches because I cover the Arizona Cardinals most of the time. Obviously, is uh is John Gannon, and he was talking about how kind of cool it was to be among all those people. Okay. I see it now out there on the lawn. That looks good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where we're at in 2023 business casual plus you're in Arizona, you know, it's, it's nice outside. Yeah. It's not a, what a good looking bunch. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed noticed it more. (laughs) Yeah. I've noticed it more and more now watching the NCAA tournament, which we'll, we will get to that in the uh, second segment, but more coaches are, are going with the, the quarter zip look. Um, uh, that's what I'm, I'm looking at. The best one I think is uh, Brian Dayball in the. What in was the, he wearing? The, I didn't see him. He, he's got like, he's got the quarter zip. He's got the sunglasses and he's already got the, the beard and everything like that. He looks like a, a bouncer at a resort or something like that, which I guess he could be because they were at the Arizona Biltmore. But uh, I did see he looks awesome. I did see somebody said that he was the first coach to have a beer. And I think they said it was a Coors Light tall boy at like 1130 in the morning. Sounds about right. That sounds about right. Makes me like him a little more, actually. Yeah. A lot, you know, to be honest, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's like uh, Wolf of Wall Street when they're all at the the conference room tape. You know, the, one, one of us. us. <laughs> <laughs> one of yeah, he was just he was just getting ready for his you know one ten tea time. He's just you know a little swing juice, right? Exactly, just a little warm up. No, this is this is good because I had heard about that picture, but I didn't actually see it. So this is I'm glad you alerted me towards this. No, it's uh, I'm I'm okay with the business casual look. I think. People are realizing, like, why do we dress up for suits and so, or in suits for so long? You know, I know it's just I, f- I feel like that's just the thing. It was that that the the several generations before us that it was like, well, everybody else did it this way, so we'll just keep doing it this way. Right, and Andy Reid looks awesome as usual. I see. Yeah, <laughs> shorts and a kind of Hawaiian-ish type shirt. Oh yeah, big time. 
big Panama Jack guy. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, no, uh, the spring meetings are always interesting. It's uh, spent a lot of time in a hotel ballroom the last day or two. Oh yeah. And, uh, Any but, anything but yeah. anything of note, or is it just basic boilerplate? You know, kind of like media days with college football, where it's like oh, everybody's bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's more like that. Obviously, certain teams had there's the Aaron Rodgers situation with Matt Lafleur and stuff like that. So there were occasional you know teams that that there was some news breaking out of, but but otherwise it was just like the the yearly rule changes. Like I I know people are super excited. Uh, players can wear number zero now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvin Ridley immediately said, "Oh yeah, big 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 news." But uh, it is kind of cool. I'm sure we'll sell some jerseys. Um, but really, kind of, I, I was wondering what you thought about this. What one of the more interesting rule changes that I didn't really realize this was on the agenda till I got there was they the Eagles submitted a plan that in instead of a onside kick, you could do a fourth and twenty play from your own twenty, and if you converted, you got to keep possession. You could either do you could either try an onside kick or do the fourth and oh. twenty play, which I kind of thought was because the, oh, the I, deal I is I love that. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it would. I, I wasn't sure, but I'd love to give it a chance. Um, what what the NFL was worried about was, I guess, historically, onside kicks have about a twelve to thirteen percent chance of being effective. You know, of the kicking team right. recovering. But teams have gotten so good at defending it and stuff like that. That's dropped to like 3% or something like that, or 4% the last year or two. So they wanted a play where they, there was a little more excitement, kind of like when they moved back the extra point, they wanted to have more failure, obviously. So it mm-hmm. wasn't just an empty play. Um, so in this case, they would have more success. But I, I think that would be awesome. A fourth and 20 play, like on an onside kick tie, I, I think that would be a lot more drama. I liked it, but they they tabled it yeah. until May, so they could they could still vote on it, but they wanted to talk about it more. So they might do it in May, but I like. I mean, it. Uh, all due respect to kickers and special teams, uh, people would much rather watch the offense try to get a conversion than a kicker with a three percent chance of of being successful. I mean, that's just right. Well, especially on. I mean, there's a difference between kicking like a. 52 yard field goal which i do think is there's some drama in that then there is like an onside kick i mean it's all luck essentially you know what i mean you watch a guy kind of try to bounce a ball and do a weird i don't know i agree with you on that one like i i do think kickers and punters it's part of the game and it's interesting but that one particular play i think we could probably do without most of the time yeah um cardinals at the third pick I uh, I suspect it's going to be Will Anderson Jr. Have you heard that, the same? I mean, that's the position and the type of guy they're obviously targeting. I mean, they, they desperately need defensive linemen. They could also, I mean, depending on how it falls and what they're thinking, I mean, they could go corner. I've heard that. Christian Gonzalez is pretty high up from Oregon. They could use one of those selections too. But yeah, I think it'll be Will Anderson or, you know, Jalen Carter's obviously rated high and stuff like that. I, I think they're they're looking to beef up the defensive offensive lines, and it looks like 
the defensive line in particular is where it's at early in the draft. Number one pick, Panthers from the Bears. It's got to be C.J. Stroud, right? You think so? Have you been hearing Anthony Richardson vibes? I guess I had heard some of that. Um, maybe. The last thing that I had read was that the Colts really like him. And it seems that... I was looking at a recent mock draft from Jordan Reed at ESPN, and he noted that Frank Reich prefers to work with bigger quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud, 6'3". Bryce Young is... 5'11". They say he's 5'10". I've stood next to him, and I'm 5'10 on a good day. And Right. (laughs) That's kind of how I feel we were, we're like eye the same to eye. height. Like I'm five ten, and so it's like I know what five ten is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like I've been five ten my entire adult life. I can I can figure this out. Like, yeah, it's like I, Kyler Kyler Murray is probably a legit five ten five eleven. You know, I mean, he's he's either my height or just slightly taller. The thing I think will give pause around Richardson is the upside the skill set you know the the mobility arm strength all the all the combine stuff people love the one thing that i think is going to give people pause is he only started 13 games in college and oh yeah i mean that i that think always is, that's risky cuz his highs are pretty high but his lows are really low and you're looking to put a face to a franchise. I mean, that, I mean, you know, I mean, you know better than anybody. Like, this is a business decision. This is an investment. And that is a risky investment, in my opinion. I, I think that, sure. Oh, he I could, totally, yeah. He I could, mean, especially like you said, the small sample size. I mean, it'd be one thing if he just absolutely crushed it in his 13 starts, but, you know, he had moments where he looked like, the best quarterback in the country and times when he did not look like the best quarterback in the country. And so, right. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested with him and I, I'm also interested in just what happens with Will Levis just because that was so up and down too, where he looked all world at times. And then there were times he just didn't. And you wonder how much, you know, playing for Kentucky, obviously the talent level, overall isn't necessarily right. what it is at some of the other top schools. How much did that affect it? All that stuff. It's, a, it's just kind of fascinating. It looks like Levis could go as high as seven to the Raiders who now have Jimmy Garoppolo three year, 72 and a half million dollar deal. Um, so you've got somebody there. That's the, you know, presumed starter. So it's not, you're not drafting Will Levis to come in and be the guy immediately. So he can learn, get acclimated to the speed of the game, all that stuff. It's not like, hey, you know, welcome, welcome to Vegas. Let's throw you into the to the wolves here. Um, and then as far as quarterbacks, I mean, it looks like Bryce Young to the Texans seems to be the the growing trend here. D'Amico Ryan's Alabama guy. Um, and look, despite he measured in at five, ten and a half, two hundred and four pounds at the combine. 
which I did not think he would be 204 pounds. Um, I think it's uh, he'd be the lightest first round quarterback since 2006. Um, yeah, I think because Kyler measured it at almost the exact same height, or maybe the exact same height, but like six pounds heavier or something like that. Yeah, Kyler, Kyler was pretty pretty stocky. Yeah, um, Kyler's always been, you know, he's a strong kid, even if he's shorter for a quarterback. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think Bryce Young can play. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's just NFL execs love stuff that looks good more times than not. So they are going to – that's why the Anthony Richard, Richardson thing is happening. And that's why the Will Levis sure. thing is happening. Because they have a ton of question marks. But and and sometimes apart. guys like that, you know, a lot of times, like I kind of scoff at the projection and all that stuff. But you look at a guy like Josh Allen at Wyoming, there was a lot of questions about him. And then, you know, obviously he's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, there's the projection angle works sometimes. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I have been impressed. Usually it's the high risk, high reward thing. But yeah, my uh... sorry, I'm I'm just looking through this mock draft. It's fascinating to me. But yeah, Bryce Young and and always the height issue with quarterbacks. Because what I you know, it's not like I yes, I've covered the NFL off and on. And one of the guys early in my career that I covered was Drew Brees, because the Saints you remember used to uh, trade at Millsaps back in oh six oh seven when I was at the Clarion Ledger. That was really fun. That was, those were good to, you know, it was like Reggie Bush, Deuce McAllister, all yeah. that stuff. And, you know, you, you look at Drew Brees and he's, you know, about six foot on a good day, you know, mm-hmm. not a, not a huge person. I, I just, to me, his accuracy, his arm accuracy was just unbelievable to watch day to day in camp. You know what I mean? He just didn't miss. It'd be just dozens and dozens and dozens of, you know, hard throws right on the money over and over again. And I just, you know, height helps and all that stuff. But to me, if I were evaluating quarterbacks, that is accuracy to me is just so underrated. I just think you have to be, the windows are so small in the NFL. You've got to be able to evaluate it. and Then you've got to be able to hit them. Yeah. Uh. Looking at this particular mock draft, couple Ole Miss guys getting selected here. Uh, Jonathan Mingo going in round four to the Bills. That'd be a good landing spot for him. Get to uh, go up there and catch some balls from from Josh Allen. Wouldn't be the worst yeah, thing. Yeah, there'd be, there'd be worse spots for a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, Zach Evans in the fifth round to the Broncos. Nick Broker in the fifth round to the Titans. And then um, Tavius Robinson heading down to uh, to the French Quarter with the Saints uh, in the fifth round as well. So they got three Ole Miss Rebels going in the fifth round here, um, which Tavius Robinson did himself uh, a ton of favors at the Combine. He was impressive, moved well. The Pro Day is going on in Oxford right now as we speak. Um, okay. There were some uh, some notable 40 times. Zach Evans had two four fives. AJ Finley had a sub four five. He clocked in at four four seven unofficially with his second attempt. Um, so that's big for him. But yeah, I think there uh, there'll, there'll be some there'll be some Ole Miss guys here. Their name called. 
Um, I know uh, I mentioned Tavius Robinson performed well at the at the combine. I think Mingo has a lot to like with his game, even though there are some question marks. There were some some highs and there were some lows during his career at Ole Miss. Uh, I think as long as he uh, is physically like if his physical checks out with everything that that he had with his with his foot injury and all that, I think um, he can find a, a nice landing spot somewhere. I mean, the Bills would be great. Um, yeah, I mean, he's the kind of guy that is perfect to me for a like a fourth or a fifth round pick. You know, you're you, obviously right. there's because you could get a lot of upside right there for a fourth or a fifth round pick. And I think, you know, even, you know, there's always a chance that a player busts. But I think there's a there's a good chance he ends up at least being a usable player, too. Mm. But it, but with some upside. And I think that's sometimes hard to find in the fourth and fifth round. So. Yeah, I liked him as a player. Like you said, there were ups and downs. There was injuries. It's not perfect, but you know there was. And I'm not comparing the two because DK Metcalf is a total, just you know, outlier physically (laughs) and everything. But you know, he he fell because of his his career. His college production was kind of up and down. And like people all the time, because I'm out here, you know, on the West Coast, and you know, sometimes you'll hear people say like, "How did they?" you know, how did DK Metcalf fall so far? I was like, go back and look at his college career. I mean, everybody knew what a physical specimen he was and like how good he could be, but he was hurt all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and he just wasn't that productive. Like mostly he had moments, but that's what people were a little scared off of him. And then, you know, the Seahawks took a chance and there you go. But, um, and AJ Finley is kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, what what am I trying to say here? The 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 poor man's version of that, I guess. But I mean, I I think there's there's still a lot of potential there. Yeah, I do. I think so too. Um, the one that's really intriguing to me is Malik Heath. He um had an impressive showing at the Senior Bowl. Really flashed in one on ones. Um, you know him and uh. Mingo were were great for Ole Miss this past season. Um, Heath was was I think much better than expected. I thought he was mainly going to be used as a red zone weapon, and he ended up being a go to guy, and had a ton of receptions, a ton of yards, and uh, really shined in some big moments for Ole Miss. Made some big catches in big games, and um, you know that you know playing in the offense that he was at. Um, that he was in at Mississippi State, you know, they spread it around. You know, you you get a lot of balls thrown your way, but it's not exactly high volume um, receptions that translate to the NFL because of the air raid system. And sure, I, I think it helped him to go to Ole Miss because you know Kiffin's offense is going to run a little bit more of a sophisticated route tree. You're going to you know actually run routes, whereas you know. Uh, in the air raid, it's mostly, you know, hey, just get open. find a yeah, get open, find <laughs> a soft spot, sit down. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if somebody takes a flyer on him, like the sixth or seventh, um, just because of the potential there, and he's uh, he's got some juice oh, to. I him. wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy too. You know, that's I think he's listed at six three two sixteen. I mean, again, you, you when you're when you're drafting late like that, you're looking for guys with some potential to grow, but also guys that you think can at least 
stick, you know, be on your roster. And a guy that was nearly a thousand yard receiver for Ole Miss last year with some size. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you could do a lot worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, oh. I just think there's yeah. somebody out there will, will take a chance on that. It kind of re- reminds me of, and, and his production was a lot better, but uh, Cody Core. Were you the one that was such a big Cody Core fan? Uh, I mean, I was, um, I might not have been the there biggest was somebody one. that was like a huge Cody core fan. That was, I can't remember who I'm thinking about, but he was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was just like, you know, he would have, if, if there were Cody core jerseys out there, he would have worn them, but, uh, <laughs> he was, he was one of the he, more, one of the more unassuming receivers that's come through Ole Miss because he, he was very effortless, ran good routes, but he, I mean, he could, he reminded me a lot of Shea Hodge where he would run away from people, but it didn't look like he was running very fast. Right, exactly. Shea Hodge is one of the best receivers I ever covered that never really made it in the NFL. Man, he was productive. Just a really I, great, uh, productive college receiver. And I know he's he's still around Mississippi doing some recruiting stuff, isn't he? Like, what's, what's he doing I was now? I was going to say, I saw him over the weekend at the, uh, at the OT7 event. He's uh, coaching and doing personal training. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's right up his alley. He, uh, you know, still he looks was, like he can Mike, play. Yeah, it was Mike Wallace, Shea Hodge, Dexter McCluster. That was. Yeah. That was um, oh, who? Uh, I like there was one other guy. On I'm sure teams. there was Lionel Bro. Lionel Bro was in that that bunch, <laughs> and uh, Markeith Summers was in that kind of yeah. era and stuff yeah. like that. But I remember Hugh Freeze actually. We were just talking one day, and Cody Core was running around, and he because the thing was Cody was overshadowed by a lot of other good receivers on that team. But he was like, Cody Core is going to play on Sundays. He was like, he will play on Sunday. I guarantee that. And you know, he he did have a nice little career. I think lasted five or six years. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, multiple years with the Bengals. He uh, he did all right. All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take our first break. When we come back, we'll have more with David Brandt of the Associated Press. We'll get into the Final Four and uh, talk about the uh, what I think is going to be an exciting Final Four. It, it doesn't have the name cachet that some people would have wanted, but nevertheless, it's going to be a good one. So hang tight, and we'll be right back. Ole Miss baseball is back. You know what that means? Grilling season is back. And there's one place and one place only to go to get everything you need for your grill. And that's LB's Meat Market. Located at 2008 University Avenue across the street from Kroger, Greg Jones and his team have been putting out some of the best protein for over a decade. Go check them out now. The Lane Train specials are still two for $20 on Sunday and Wednesday. And they have a new special, the Bianco Bomb. It's a 10 ounce bacon wrap filet, $25 all day, every day. You can go check them out, 2008 University Avenue. Tell them that Zach sent you. Go check out the freezer. They've got things on sale. Go check out what they got in the glass case each and every day. Greg and the folks over there will take care of you. That's LB's Meat Market. As I always say, Arby's, no, 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 no. They don't have the meats. LB's has the meats. 
This podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals who can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension, and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies as well. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite-level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn about this and more at BluffCityAdvisory.com. Where can you get good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates? At State Farm, because State Farm agent Davis McCord is your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. State Farm agent Davis McCord is ready to help. Call 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ole Miss fans, you can never be too careful especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock, to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. And we are back here on Daytime Fireworks. Zach Barry, David Brandt here with you. All right, David, we got UConn, Miami, San Diego State, and FAU. My just, bracket is perfect. Just perfect. as we it drew it perfect. up. Right. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny in the first weekend. We let the kids do brackets this year. Um, so, like, my three-year-old, we were just going by names and mascots. And... The one-year-old, we were just, you know, putting out, like, goldfish or something for her to just pick one or the other. Right. Um, I was about to say, just point. But both picked Princeton to win the first round. So, yeah, that, was, I mean, that was hilarious. That was, yeah, what was interesting was they didn't just win. They won by 15 in the second round. That was pretty incredible. Well, it, I mean, you know, the it, Ivy League... 
it was it was Go funny because it ruined my bracket because I had Arizona in the final four. And then I got my two kids who are, you know, they didn't actually, you know, laughing in my face figuratively with like, oh, hey, dad, we we both picked them to beat Arizona in the first round. Um, but my son had 15 or excuse me, three 15 seeds in the final four. <laughs> um, and then he had Marquette and somebody else. Uh, he had UNC Asheville winning it all. So he, he unfortunately, um, didn't uh, die the quick death, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, but. but yeah, I was like, all right, he's got Marquette in there. I think it just got to where he liked saying Marquette and then he liked I saying <laughs> Asheville. Well, I told you, you know, Marquette was one of the teams I really liked. And then of course I liked the Gonzaga just cause I've always liked Gonzaga. And it was just right. like, it always is Lucy pulling the football away. It's like, this is the year they're going to go all the way. Nope. Yeah. Um, yeah, his final four. Although that UCLA game was a great game, but it was. Um, they have some classics between those two. Um, yeah, you know, I... well, there's been some. There's been some. That Michigan State Kansas State game was really, really good too. That no look pass for the, oh, for the alley oop. Is there a more like? I don't even know how to describe. Like, just how much swagger does it take? In, in like the waiting seconds of a sweet 16 game to do a half court alley-oop for a reverse jam, no look while fake arguing with your coach. That's so, so I know that's, what a that's play. genius. What a play. Well, it was genius. And then it was just also well executed because it looked like, you know, it was like, you know, 10 minutes left in the first half of a non-conference game or something mm-hmm. like that. There was just, that was awesome. Yeah, we we had a play in high school that we would run. We, we we called it the wrong ball play. We never did it in a varsity game, but I remember when I was a freshman, we did it on the freshman team, and it actually worked where you get lined up, and then the center has his hand on the ball, turns to the quarterback, and starts throwing his – like throws up one of his hands, and it's like, where's the – this isn't our ball – so then he, you know, goes down on one knee, turns and hands the ball to the quarterback. And then the quarterback starts yelling, you know, coach, like, we're, this isn't our ball. Where's our ball? And then everyone is, is, you know, orchestrated on the sideline to start scrambling, like looking for the ball. And so the quarterback is like, you know, being all animated, like in disgust, like, I, you know, I can't believe we don't have our ball. And he's walking towards the sideline and the coach, you know, kind of comes up to the sideline to, you know, all right, like, We'll change our play here. You know, everything is is supposed to look like it's the wrong ball. So you keep in mind, David, the center with the hand on the ball, turning and handing it to the quarterback is a legal snap. That's so, a legal snap. Yeah. So that the ball's quarterback. In play. Yep. So the quarterback walks all the way to the sideline, like he's going to talk to the coach. And we ran it one time, and it worked. We didn't score, but we got like a forty yard run out of it. But, um the uh the defense didn't move and um here's some Ole Miss uh Ole Miss tie-in for you the quarterback on the freshman team was none other than Mark Holloman's little brother um, oh wow so I uh I played football and baseball with him in high school uh so yeah walked over to the sideline the defense at this point turns to their sideline and is starting to ask their coach like hey what are we doing here are we huddling up and then he takes off running um 
so uh so yeah so i love that type of you know set up for a play where it's like you know i can't believe like you know yelling at the it was it was like marquise noel and and jerome tang were, were arguing it with each other in the middle of a of an ncaa tournament game it was great um, right and they sold it pretty well too like it actually looked like they were discussing something yeah it was great um but yeah i'm uh, looking at my son's Final four. He had Princeton, Marquette, Colgate, and UNC Asheville. That's, he had that's UNC- a bold decision. <laughs> he had it, UNC I, Asheville winning it all. Three weeks ago, I would have said that was crazy. But now, I mean, looking I, at the final four, it wasn't that crazy. I know. My my daughter went a little more blue blood heavy. She had um, Kansas, Iowa, Purdue, and NC State. And uh, she had Kansas winning it all over NC State. So, I mean, that, that, good of a guess know. as any. I don't think anybody. <laughs> the team that I, I did see UConn early in the tournament, and I was like, wow, they look really good. When they beat St. Mary's pretty handily. Yeah. Like, that was impressive. And then the way they beat Gonzaga, obviously, was super impressive. They beat Arkansas I mean, they, by 23. They, they, yeah, have, they haven't struggled they at have, all. Well, they had no, the, they, they had the had brief really scare with Drake. Tournament. Well, no, the, you're thinking of somebody else because they oh. played Iona in the first round. Oh, am I thinking of Miami? Yeah, you're thinking of Miami. Okay, sorry. Um, no, I mean they have just destroyed everybody. Um, but yeah, my uh, this is the first time, at least in the last ten years that I can remember doing brackets that I didn't get a single Final Four team. Yeah, I mean, I I bet most people didn't. Who would you have picked? I mean, I mean you know, maybe like, maybe UConn. Right. I mean, UConn had you know, but they they were in a bracket with Kansas, UCLA, and Gonzaga. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, mean had, I understand why I had, people even St. Mary's or somebody like that. Yeah, it's just yeah, I had UCLA, Houston, Marquette, and Arizona. Yeah, I think I had, I think I had Alabama. Houston, Marquette, and Gonzaga, mm-hmm. or something like that. I felt good about my notion that Bama was just going to run out of gas with the three point or with the three pointer. I just thought they they relied so heavily on it, and then Brandon Miller being the focus of that offense and that whole team, and being a true freshman, I thought eventually he would have an off night, and as a team they wouldn't be able to hit their threes like they have all year. And lo and behold, that's what happened. And you got to give credit to San Diego state too. I mean, they are an elite defensive. Ball yeah. That's club, a good team. And they put yeah. the clamps on them. I mean, this is one of those things like, you know, FAU, I think is a surprise for most people to get this far. And then Miami, I didn't know much about, but you know, San Diego state's been good for years and they've been known as an elite defensive team, which obviously plays well in the postseason. UConn kind of has the pedigree. And if you, you know, you think about it in terms of like national rankings, like it's essentially like UConn is would be between 13 and 16 in the country. San Diego state and Miami would be between 17 and 20. Like it's not that weird that they would end up in the final four. So I, I'm like you. I think the games themselves are going to be great. I, I think that yeah. it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be exciting. I, you know, I am interested to see like what the crowd is like. It's just such a, mm-hmm. you know, the, these teams don't have 
fan bases that travel a ton other than possibly UConn. Um, and I, I'm sure some people from San Diego State, have, you know, the, the hardcore ones will go, but you're not going to have like Kentucky painting the town blue or anything like that for something like this. Uh, I I will say I'm intrigued to see how the games go because I and I got to give a shout out to my buddy Stephen Hartzell over at um, CBS College Sports. He was alluding to the recent Final Fours in Houston at NRG and how the shooting has not been great in that building. Um which is something that I've always found and I get it because of the crowds and the spectacle that is the NCAA tournament. And you know that they love to make it this big event, but it's so, it seems so silly to me to have the, your sports biggest event in a football stadium. I don't understand it. And then with the raised floor, I don't know if Houston's doing a raised floor, but obviously we had the, you know, the unfortunate event with Kevin Ware when Louisville played on the race. Oh, yeah. floor, and I that's one that. of the yeah. more disgusting things I've ever seen. And it's not safe and it's just not natural. I mean, I know the teams, you know, they're probably already there practicing and getting used to it, but I just think that's dumb. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you that when you, when you have, like you said, your biggest games in your sport on the biggest stage and sort of kind of an unnatural situation um yeah because it, it, it has it has to be weird to shoot in, in a building like that when you've oh never absolutely it's absolutely and guys talk about that all the time especially shooters you know depth perception and sight lines and different things like that and i you know when you're used when you are used to shooting in buildings set to hold 10 or fifteen thousand people or even twenty thousand people and then you go to something much larger it just it changes things and it it you're begging for because there's already enough pressure there's already you know there's lots of reasons why maybe the basketball wouldn't be great because it's the final four people are feeling the pressure and all that stuff and then on top of that you add an an aesthetic uh uh, an atmosphere that is just kind of weird and not conducive to basketball and you're just asking for low scoring kind of rock fight type games which you know sometimes those can be enjoyable too but I think I think most college basketball fans, if you ask them what they would like to see, they'd love to see a game in the '80s with lots of good shootings and shot making and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, I, I agree with you. I, I think I think that even though the spectacle is a big deal, it's basketball. It's supposed to be played in a basketball arena. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, and, I mean, that would that would I, be like that would be like having the Super Bowl at you know a major league baseball stadium. Right. Or yeah. Or, yeah. It, it, it's just playing your best or playing even like the, the Stanley cup finals in a, in the, the dome that the Cardinals play in, you know, yeah, and stuff it, like it, that. Like it's it, just, I, I've never really thought of it this extensively. Cause it, it was always to me, it was like, okay, I get it. Like huge crowds. You want to be able to fill right. the arena, but you're telling me you can't find a, a big basketball arena. I mean, come on. Um, right. I mean, hell, at this point, they make enough money. Build a Final Four-specific arena. That's not a terrible idea. Or find, like, three or four really good spots that you like to play it and then yeah. rotate it between those. Yeah. 
those couple events with it. Cause, cause I mean, let's be real. Like, you know, what's driving the money for the NCAA is the television rights. It's not necessarily the ticket sales. I mean, the ticket sales help some, right. but yeah, you know, they're not, it, it's not like college sports will end if you don't hold this in a 40,000 seat stadium or something like that. So last year was the Caesar Superdome in new Orleans football. Now I know they played a ton of basketball there, but still a football stadium. Before that, Lucas Oil in Indianapolis, football. Uh, before that, Mercedes-Benz, football. Before that, 2019, Chris Beard, Texas Tech, made it there. <laughs> you know what? I'm that sorry was... for laughing in the middle. Did you know where the Final Four is next year? Oh, I actually do not. It's here. Guess where oh. it is. It, where the Where the Arizona Cardinals play. Where the Cardinals play. Of course. Makes <laughs> I, perfect I sense. I knew it was here. I just figured – I hadn't even thought it through. I thought they'd play where the Suns play because that would make sense. It's a basketball arena. Uh, but, no, they're playing at State Farm Stadium. So, I, I just disparaged Jeez. my hometown's 2024 Final Four. So, sorry about that. State Farm Stadium, by the way, is a beautiful place to watch football games. I don't know. And the Super Bowl was great other than the turf. Um I'm not sure how they that will host a – that'll be an interesting basketball situation, though, because that's a big place. Yeah. Holds like yeah, 75,000 so people. So, yeah, 2019 was U.S. Bank, which is where the Vikings play. I looked at um, that national championship game between Virginia and Texas Tech, 72,062 people. I, come on. They could build a specific basketball arena – for the Final Four and just do that every year. Now, I know the whole, you know, they love going to different places. And I, I did see a great tweet the other day. Um, I'd have to go back and find it, but it was all the Final Four logos. And I do love that. You know, Ooh, you that the, would be cool. I like the, that. The theme around each, you know, host city. I, I like, you know, I'm a big logo uniform guy. So I appreciate that. But I don't know. It just seems silly to me. But I guess logistically well, it makes are, sense. Like, I mean, go, like I'm going to go in State Farm Stadium, and people have taken pictures of these before. But next year when the Final Four, like the nosebleed seats watching a basketball game, like there's not really too many bad seats in there for football. Like even if you're at the top of the stadium for the Super Bowl or something like that, there's still decent seats. But right. basketball, yeah. man, you're going to be a long way from the action. A long yeah, way yeah. from the action. Yeah, and, and it's not changing anytime soon. Nobody is taking our advice. 2025 is the Alamo Dome. 2026 is Lucas Oil. 2027 is Ford Field. 2028 is Allegiant in uh, Las Vegas. 2029 is Lucas Oil. 2030 is AT&T Stadium. Man, they so, have scheduled that Get far used out. to it. It's not changing. Yeah, it's it's scheduled all the way through. I love it, Jeez. you know, because when you see things like that, as you get older, you're like, good Lord, I hope I live that long. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I used to, you know, like Chuck Roundsville and those guys in the in the Ole Miss. You know, we'd be in the press box and they'd be like, "Old Miss is set to play Clemson in twenty forty three or something like that." And Chuck was like, "Well, I won't be at that one." You know, it was, <laughs> it was just kind of like, um, you know. so it seems the overwhelming favorite is UConn. Um, and they should be. I mean, the way they played. I mean, they're averaging like twenty point wins. Yeah, and I, that's uh, who I would pick too. Uh, Danny Hurley's bunch going for their fifth national title since 1999. 
which I had totally forgotten that Kevin Ollie won a national championship. I knew Kevin Ollie did. That's their fifth. It would be their fifth national title. Fifth, fifth since 99. That's more than Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas. Um, and then, yeah, of course. Wow, I have actually, you blew yeah. my mind with that one. You forget. That's a, I mean, well, I Jim mean, Cal- UConn always is, is, I mean, Jim Calhoun was excellent. I knew that was. That's yeah. a great program because I remember watching the 99 title game. They had like a Richard Hamilton and Khalid yeah. Alameen and all those guys. That was a, that was a really good team. So then you've got obviously Miami, San Diego state and FAU trying to cut the nets down for the first time. FAU right now is, is going for their fifth ever NCAA tournament win. All the wins that they have in program history have happened this year. Um, Miami, uh, I I kind of lean towards whoever wins the Miami UConn game, winning it all. Miami sure. has just been great. Jim Laranega, uh, I mean, Laranega is a great coach. Talk about somebody that has just the ebbs and flows of college basketball and college athletics with NIL and the transfer portal. I mean, he has adapted and has he's a survivor. It. Absolutely, he is. Um, I mean, Nigel Pack. And- and you the, wouldn't the, think a guy like that would would fit in Miami, you know? No. You think of the yeah. the swagger, you think of all that stuff, and well, I mean, you know, you know sort of. But he's a, you know, he he was well, at, he's got swagger in its own way. I, I he agree, does. But you just wouldn't. You wouldn't. But he's he's an old white guy from the Bronx, right? Exactly. Uh, Which I mean, there's a lot on. of old white guys from the Bronx down in South Florida, probably. That's but. true. True. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've nil with Life Wallet, and then. He's had all of his tournament teams have had at least three starters from the portal. Um, their guard play is just outstanding. I, I, I'm excited for that game because UConn's as hot as anybody. I guess everybody's hot in the Final Four, but they're playing lights out, and Miami's going to be a good matchup for them. That's uh, going to be a great game. I really do think that that's going to be a good game. And plus, you know, UConn, you've got to – they have won all their games by so much that you just wonder how they would react if it's right. I mean, they've played close games all year, but it's been a minute since that's happened. You know, if they, if yeah. it gets tight down the stretch, exactly. How will they react? Exactly. Um, San Diego state trying to, you know, really pound that mantra of defense wins championships. Villanova did it twice. Virginia did it in 2019 against Chris Beard. Um, those are the only teams to finish top 10 in adjusted defensive efficiency per Ken Palm since 2015 that won a title. Kansas was 17th last season. Um, so you don't find a lot of heavy, you know, defensive reliant programs getting this far. But I mean, Brian Dutcher, um, just an amazing job on Brandon Miller. I mean, they shut him down. Um, Pointerly and the rest of that that Bama backcourt just couldn't do anything. And then, right. I mean, they... Yeah, they put the clamps on. They're interesting. I'm looking at their stats right now. They've only got one player that averages double figures. You don't see that too often with the Final Four team. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. guys that average in that seven to eight to nine point range. But Matt Bradley averages 12 and a half points, and that's the most. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that Creighton was going to be a tough, a tough matchup for him because... Um, you know, they had the size and they had a ton of shooters and um, yeah, they're they just were, offensively skilled. Yeah. They're 22nd and adjusted offensive efficiency, but I mean, they're just, 
they play as good a team defense as I've seen in a long time. I mean, they right. Well, Dutcher, they look like one of those teams. They look like a team that has, you know, and I don't know the, but they look like a team that's been together for a while and played together for a while. They look like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I don't even know if that's true necessarily, but they, they look like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they know it, it's credit to Dutcher and that program that he's built. Um, you know, after um, what's his name, the legend. Uh, Oh my god! Oh, the Michigan coach Steve Fisher. Steve Fisher was there forever. Um, he's kept yeah. that program. You know they are still elite. San Diego um, State has been a really good program too for a long time, and that's yeah. an underrated conference too, as far as just really solid basketball. Yeah, and um, I mean they they beat Creighton. I think a lot of people had penciled the 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 Jays in, and um, yeah, I mean Matt Bradley, Lamont Butler, and uh, Darian Trammell. Um, I mean, they've been the leading scorers, but not a, you know, super, super efficient offensive team. So it would be quite the, the trend buster for them to get to the national championship game and to win it because it's mostly been, you know, all about scoring in this tournament. Sure. Um, and then lastly, we got FAU. I mean, what a story, um, you know, Dusty May, who was long rumored to be the guy for Ole Miss after Kermit Davis was let go and then Chris Beard became a very real possibility. And then Ole Miss ended up ultimately hiring him. But yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're Keith Carter, you kind of, you kind of walk with your chest out a little bit, a little bit, a little bit sticking out a little bit more with like, Hey, you know, this is my backup plan. And this guy's <laughs> right. This was Dusty, Dusty May was our plan B. Yeah. And he's uh, 35 and three. And, um, Snuck by Memphis, questionable call, and then they beat Fairleigh Dickinson, beat Tennessee, and then um, a great game against Kansas State. I mean, an all-time classic. Um, So, I I mean, talk about a team that's hot. There's playing as well as anybody right now. Um, I I mean, they – I'm not a basketball mind – by any means, but I know what I've seen to me, David, they just play hard. Like they right. never, they never waver. I mean, there were multiple times in the Tennessee game. Uh, they were down at the half multiple times in the Kansas state game where it looked like K state was going to pull away and they just never, they never go away. They shoot the That's three ball. The, well, right. That's been the most impressive thing to me. Like they've faced little adversity. You know, I mean, they've been down in some of these games, it looked like, okay, it was fun while it lasted. Here we go. Here, you know, reality yeah. is set again. And then reality, I mean, at this point, the reality is this is just a really good basketball team. And you're going to have yeah, to. I mean, and, and, and I think it's fascinating, too. Like you said, they're playing San Diego State, who also plays incredibly hard. I don't think, you know, they're, they're different styles a little bit. I think, like you said, FAU may be a little more skilled team offensively. But still, this is going to be – you know, I don't think one of these teams is going to out-effort the other team. It's just no. Yeah, you know, there's going to be some bodies on the floor. Like with, it's kind of it's kind of like balls. that. Um, it, it's kind of like the thing that people say about about football players, where it's like you have guys that run fast, and then you have guys that run hard. Where to me, it looks like San Diego State, like just a well-oiled defensive machine. Everybody gets to their spots. Everybody plays team defense. 
It's just like they're built for it. And, and then and they embrace for, it. That's what they want to do. That is yeah, you can they tell they no, care about it, they enjoy it, and they have no ego. Yeah, no problem muddying up a game and playing in the 50s. And then FAU, I mean, it is like hard. I mean, just closeouts. I mean, guys are running everywhere. Guys are diving on the floor for loose balls. Um, it just seems, you know, a little more exerted effort. And not that, you sure. know, not saying San Diego State doesn't play hard, but, you know, just kind of the the eye test that looks more aggressive. Um, and that's going to be a great game, too. I love both stories there. Um, I was telling people before the tournament started that San Diego State was was no slouch with how well they played defensively all during the regular season. But FAU, man, like you said, 35 wins is no accident. And, I mean, Conference USA team, um, I mean, you remember the the Calipari teams, you know, especially 08 with Memphis, were going into the tournament as a one seed, and everybody said, well, they play in Conference USA. You know, they don't play anybody. You know, they, they finally played somebody in Tennessee, and they lost. Um, but, look, you win 35 games, that's that's legit. I mean, that is a culture of winning, and players get used to that, and they don't, you know – it becomes a, you know, winning becomes a habit at that point to where they, they expect to win. And you can tell with how they played in this tournament. I mean, they've expected to win every game. Right. They, there's just, they don't look like a mid-major team. And honestly, none of these teams that, you know, San Diego state does it. I don't even know if it'd be fair to call them a mid-major team, but yeah, I mean, these are teams and you, you talked about the difference and this is all like kind of coach speak, but I, to me, it's more of playing with, with, purpose you know there's yeah. like you said like you're there's playing hard like hustling and stuff like that like you can do that but it's it's playing hard with a goal in mind mm-hmm. and it just both these teams I again I know that's a terrible cliche but you know it when you see it and both yeah. these teams kind of have that 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 dog in them they play yeah. hard that's right uh who do you got um who you got winning it all who you got cutting down the nets I would love to to go something crazy. Like, it would be great to see FAU do it. But I think it's going to be San Diego State versus UConn for the title. And okay. I think UConn will win. Uh, I'm not going to go. I, I I think it'll be a good game. But I think UConn will win by about 10 points. I'm going to go all South Beach here. I'm going to go FAU in Miami. And I think Larinaga gets it done. And I think uh, just... And that Miami backcourse is going to be too much for, for FAU at the end of the day. I, I Nigel Pack, Wong, and then um, I can never remember his name. The big man they got down low, um, Omir. Um, yeah, his name's escaping me too. Norchad Omir. Um, he's been a force down there for him. I, I just think there's just too much too much canes at the end of the day. Um, it would spread. This is one of the first years where I really don't have a preference. Like you said, like all the stories are pretty good. Like UConn yeah. would be sort of a blue blood winning, but you know, they're, I, I think as a four seed, it's not as much of a favorite, but you know, uh, any, any of those FAU, San Diego state or Miami, like there's great stories everywhere. What do you think just overall, do you think it's good or bad for college basketball to have a final four like this? I think it's great. I I was listening to um, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander talk about this on their uh, Eye on College Basketball podcast. 
Sure. And, you know, oh, our writing's going to be bad. And, and, and Gary was convinced that writings will be bad. I tend to think... I think, relatively speaking, they will be lower than usual. I don't think they'll be bad, but... Yeah, but my thing is, okay, it's not who people wanted, you know, quote-unquote, wanted. It's not a blue blood, you know, fest by any means. You know, it's not the 08 Final Four when it was all one seeds. Um, right. But I, people are still going to watch. People are still going to gamble on this game. And people that well, gamble <laughs> watch as well. So, like... Yes. Yeah, it's it's not your Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, you know, whoever Final Four. But no, I mean, this is still going to be watched, and 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 I love it. I, I think it's cool. And you made a great point just now where you said, like, there's no agenda. Like, there's no, like, well, I'm going for this team because, man, I hate this team. Or, like, man, I don't like that coach. Like, no, like, all of these teams are fun. They're all different. And that is true. Be... That is the one great thing. Cause if Alabama had made it, let's be real. We would have been oh, hearing duh. about Brandon Miller nonstop for it. And I mean, like, I get it. Like you have to talk about it. I get it, but it, it just puts kind of a damper on it. You know, after I like, this is a great final four. If you just love basketball and good stories, this is a pretty darn good final four. I do think that you could have slightly too much of a good thing. Like I, I think that one yeah. or two, you know, like if FAU were playing Marquette in this game, and then, you know, it was Miami against, I mean, they beat them, but, you know, like Houston or something like that. And the, yeah. I, I think that that kind of dichotomy is probably a little better than having all kind of underdog teams. But mm-hmm. I, I do think, like you said, it'll it'll be great because the focus will definitely be on the basketball and the good stories. And that's kind of refreshing. I mean, you know, especially – you know, because like I said, with Arkansas, we would have heard, or not Arkansas, Alabama, we would have heard about Brandon Miller constantly. And I, I do think that that situation weighed on that team as the season progressed. Oh, it had to have. Um, last thing before we take the final break and get to the last segment. First final four without a one, two, or three seed. And uh, the total seed number so combining all the final four teams is 23. That's the second highest since 2011, which was also played in Houston when, um, who was that that won that one? Uh, geez. Just looking at it the other day. Um, final four. Oh, oh, you, for me UConn. Than... UConn. Won. <laughs> yeah, of was, course. Of that course. was Kevin, uh, the Kevin Ollie, right? Or was that Calhoun? That was Calhoun. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, so um, first time that that it's been um, that high of a total since 2011. And then um, you've got three teams making their debut in the Final Four. Um, it's the first uh, first time since 1970. And um, yeah, it's the second time at trivia for you. Second time ever that a four and a five meet in the Final Four. Do you know when the last time it was? I do not. Last time... A four and a five met in the final four. That was 1996. Let's see if you can get it now. 1996. That's the Mississippi State year, isn't it? That would be correct. The five seed Bulldogs took on the four seed Syracuse Orange. Syracuse. Yes, that was like John Wallace. um, Yeah. Like all those guys. That was a really good Syracuse team. 
Who yeah, that was, was somebody back... else on that team that was um Daryl Wilson that was... was on that state team, yeah. Eric Dampier. That was back when Jim Bayhide was just 77 years old. <laughs> yeah. Actually, going back to that 2011 Final Four, I forgot about this. You know, the uh, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight games that year were in New Orleans, and I helped cover that. And I went down there, and the teams down there were Butler, Wisconsin, BYU with a Jimmer Fredette, and uh, Florida. And that was actually a really good – those were some good games. And one of the – this is a podcast, so we can talk. One of the funniest stories I've ever heard – came from uh, one of the Wisconsin players because in the the round of 32, they had beaten Kansas State, who their coach was uh, Frank Martin at the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Wisconsin, do you, who was this kid's name? Do you remember that kid on Wisconsin? He had red hair. It was curly. Oh. Uh, those years, 2011, Bassett. I'm Googling this. Brusowitz, Mike Brusowitz. All okay. right. So we're we're interviewing Mike Brucewitz, and Brucewitz was a big guy. He, he was like six eight, six foot nine. You know, he was kind of he was your typical Wisconsin basketball player from that from mm-hmm. that era. And anyway, we yeah. were talking to him. We were like, one of the reporters was like, "Hey, Mike, we saw we saw uh, Frank Martin walk up to you and and you know start talking to you after the game." He was, they were like, what was that like? What did he say to you? Because he was really passionate. He goes, and Bruce Woods was one of those guys that, would, you know, typical Wisconsin, you know, he hustled really hard. He grabbed rebounds. You know, it was one of those things. I don't know how he's good, but he's pretty good. And uh, Frank Martin and Bruce Woods was like, he goes, this was the weirdest thing that ever happened to me. He goes, Frank Martin walks up to me after the game. He grabbed both of his cheeks, like his face cheeks, and <laughs> hung on to him and shook him. And he goes, he goes, Brucewitz. He goes, I effing love you. Except he didn't say effing. You know, he's just <laughs> like, I, he goes, I love you. He goes, if I have 15 Mike Brucewitz, I win the national championship. And then he just, he, he goes, good luck. And then he just walked off and he goes, and Brucewitz goes, it was the nicest compliment anyone has ever said to me. And I was so shocked. It was, and I can totally see Frank Martin doing that. He goes, I love you. He goes, if I have 15 of you, I win the national championship. <laughs> For some reason, I, I think of like the Iron Sheik or something like that, you know, yeah. saying that or so, Frank Martin. But, you know, but what I, and you can just see the odd Bruce Witz's face. He had the, and just the way he told the story, the reporters were rolling laughing. It was great. But anyway, that was my story from the 2011 tournament. That's great. All right, final break, and then we're going to have a uh, closing bonus segment. Um, talk a little Ole Miss hoops and uh, kind of the recent rumor mill around Chris Beard and his staff. So hang tight, and we'll close up shop. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta Catfish to Smash Burgers. You can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. From weddings to Greek or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. 
podcast is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over to see Cody Allen and the crew to take on the challenge of their wide, plush Zoysa fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They have two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up the short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranch.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Show is brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area in North Mississippi for 40 plus years, and they would love nothing more than to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and monitoring 24-7, 365. You could reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Final segment here, daytime fireworks. All right, David, I told you before we hit the record button that I was I wanted a real-time reaction um, because I do you think you- got me on pins and needles, I'm telling you, man. Because <laughs> you, you're going to, I'm 99.9% sure you will remember this guy, uh, not only as a coach, but as a player, and then the Ole Miss tie-in will be pretty obvious, but- um, Talked to several people yesterday and on uh, Monday as well. I'd heard it the last couple weeks, but wasn't really sure, uh, mainly because he was still coaching in the, in the NCAA tournament. But the growing sentiment seems to be that Chris Beard, who has already reunited with Al Pinkins, Cinco Boone, and Brian Berg, who have been on previous staffs, Al Pinkins, who was on that Ole Miss staff with Andy Kennedy in 2013. Yeah, I remembered him. I was about to say, I remember that name. And then uh, Berg and Boone were with him um, at various stops, Texas Tech, Little Rock. Um, The rumor seems to be right now that Auburn assistant Wes Flanagan could be coming to Oxford to coach on Chris Beard's staff. That's cool. So you know that's really cool. I mean, I know who Wes Flanagan is. Yeah, yeah. I I totally forgot, and this is me just getting old and forgetting things. It hit me after yeah, it's about like an hour or so, and then I was like, "Oh God, of course, it's Jason Flanagan's brother." But you remember who that yes. is, right? yes i do it's all kind of coming back to me sorry it's (laughs) you kind of sat there i I was like oh no i've i've done a i've done a lot of you know yes jason flanagan i know who that is i had to look that up and make sure that that's an interesting it's a small world in college basketball it is and it was funny was flanagan on like the mike white teams in my thing yes hit the uh hit the game clinching free throws against notre dame to get him to the sweet 16 yes Okay, that, yes, that which, Jason Flanagan. Which is wild because, I mean, I remember watching the game. You know, I was still pretty young, but I remember physically watching it and being excited because my dad was excited. But <laughs> it's weird to think like, oh, yeah, like that was when Ole Miss upset Notre Dame. No, no, no. Ole Miss was the three seed. Notre Dame was the six seed, which... Think about that for a second, David. Ole Miss was a three seed in an NCAA basketball tournament. 
Oh, I know. And, well, there was a couple years like that because it was, you know, I grew up in Missouri and I had family down in Mississippi. So, you know, I kind of always rooted for the Mississippi teams. And I remember and and Susise and that yeah. team that was so good. And obviously the Valparaiso, we all know about that. I don't need yeah, to yeah. rehash. Every time I rehash that, my mentions get filled with Ole Miss fans. Quit bringing that up. Uh, but uh but yeah, that that next year, yeah, for a couple years there, Ole Miss had it cooking. Oh yeah, it was um, yeah, it was crazy. I because just in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, that was a huge upset. It was like, nope, no, it wasn't. Uh, they were the three right. seed. They were twenty five and Historically, seven. Historically, it kind of was, but that was a really good team. Yeah. Oh, I mean that team. Um, you you mentioned you know Flanagan. And you mentioned Keith Carter, uh, who was on that team. Rod Barnes, the head coach. You had Justin Reed, Raheem Lockhart, Aaron Harper. I mean, you had the whole Provine posse, David Sanders. Um, I mean, Seneca Taylor was on the bench playing guard. Um, I mean, yeah, just a uh, just a wild time. They finished twenty-seven and eight, went eleven and five in the SEC. Um, I mean, they were first in the West. I mean, uh, I believe Flanagan was on two SEC West champion teams. And then, obviously, the program's first Sweet 16, uh, he was the guy that sent him there. So, interesting Ole Miss connection there. Um, I would imagine if it does happen, there'll be some finalities probably this week at some point. Um, I posted on our message board last night. I'd heard it from several people, so I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, the emphasis on rumored, but I put it out there that it's a rumored addition to Chris Beard's staff because the two of them worked together at Little Rock. And um, I had heard that Flanagan was in Oxford with Chris Beard over the weekend, which, you know, they're friends. It could have been a friendly visit, you know, congratulating his friend. Yeah, on- come on now. I mean, that, <laughs> it, it could be. It could be. Could be. But, um, the big thing for Ole Miss fans that I think that you need to be potentially excited about, Wes Flanagan's probably one of the better recruiters in the country. Um, yeah. He's, he's been Bruce Pearl's, you know, headhunter on that staff. I mean, he's gotten, um, you know, several blue chip guys to the Plains since being on that staff. Uh, two of those guys have just gotten into the portal, Chance Westry and um, Johan Treor. Uh, and then he also recruited and coached Sharif Cooper and JT Thor, both guys that were drafted. Uh, JT Thor, I saw him play it at an NBA game the other day. Yeah, both drafted. Okay, he's in the on top. Oklahoma City or something. Okay, I'm pretty. The Hornets drafted him first, I believe. The Hornets, that's who it is. That's okay. who it is. Oh, he's still with them. Sorry, I, my teams were running um, together, but I just love that name, <laughs> JT Thor. Oh, it it's a like phenomenal. Out of a, yeah, that's an amazing name. Phenomenal sports name, but yeah, I mean, he's a, a, a phenomenal recruiter. And here's one for you. Probably, at least recency bias, maybe, you know, le- getting me leaning here a little bit. Recruited and signed Marquise Noel to Little Rock. Really? The king of New York, K-State, yeah. That's so he signed with, signed with Little Rock out of St. Patrick in New Jersey. And then uh, when Flanagan took the job at Auburn, he left and went to K-State. Oh. Huh. So how about that? 
you're you're just filling me with knowledge today. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Um, that seems to be uh, the 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 heavy rumor right now. It's probably, I believe, right now you can. I don't know if you'll know this or not. I think you can have five assistants. Is that right? Because I know they changed it. They've adjusted it a little bit. Oh, um, that's right. Because back it was like three assistants and you could have a quality control or something like that. I mean, there was an ops I, guy or something like that. I think in July it can be five. So you can have the head coach and three assistants right now. And then, uh, or excuse me, four total. Um, and then in, So like four and assistants in, and then an ops guy or whatever. Yeah, so then in July it'll be bumped up to five, but, um, but yeah, so interesting. Um, we'll, that would uh, be pretty. You know, you think about that. That's like five coaches for a roster of fifteen players. That'd be like a college football team having what, like twenty-five coaches? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. That's the the ratio of coach to player is pretty incredible in basketball. Yeah. So yeah, we'll uh we'll continue to monitor that rumor and uh keep you up to date at omspirit.com. David, appreciate the time. I know you've been been a busy man out there. Uh this was fun. We'll do it again as uh spring practice is underway. We'll probably do another one of these uh maybe after the Grove Bowl, um which is uh going to be here before we know it. Um I, I told my dad and he he sent me the the picture yesterday, David, the 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 yellow Schedules are out now, so you know the football is getting close. Oh, you know it's real then. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll be back with more daytime fireworks in the next couple weeks as uh, we start making that climb, that that sprint to media days, and then uh, you know September will be here before we know it. So, thanks to David, thanks to the sponsors that make the show possible, and of course, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. And uh, until next time, for David, I'm Zach. This has been Daytime Fireworks. We out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.